I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Oh, how do you do, young Willie McBride? Do you mind if I sit here down by your graveside And rest for a while in the warm summer sun I've been walking all day and I'm nearly done And I see by your gravestone you were only 19 When you joined the great fallen in 1916 Well I hope you died quick and I hope you died clean Oh, Willie McBride, was it slow and obscene? Did they beat the drum slowly? Did they play the pipe lowly? Did they sound the death march as they lowered you down? Did the band play the last post and chorus? Did the pipes play the flowers of the fall? And did you leave a wife or a sweetheart behind? In some loyal heart is your memory enshrined. And though you died back in 1916, to that loyal heart you're forever 19. Or are you a stranger without even a name? Forever enshrined behind some old glass pane. In an old photograph torn, tattered and stained And faded to yellow in a brown leather frame Did they beat the drum slowly? Did they play the pipe lowly? Did they sound the death march as they lowered you down? Did the band play the last post and chorus? Did the pipes Play the flowers of the forest The sun's shining down on these green fields of France The warm wind blows gently and the red poppies dance The trenches have vanished long under the plow No gas, no barbed wire, no guns firing now but here in this graveyard that's still no man's land The countless white crosses in mute witness stand To man's blind indifference to his fellow man And a whole generation were butchered and damned And they beat the drum slowly Did they play the pipe lowly? Did they sound? the death march as they lowered you down Did the band play the last post and chorus 
Did the pipes play the flowers of the I can't help but wonder, no Willie McBride. Do all those who lie here know why they died? Did you really believe them when they told you the cause? Did you really believe that this war would end wars? Well, the suffering, the sorrow, the glory, the shame, the killing and dying, it was all done in vain. Oh, Willie McBride, it all happened again And again and again and again and again Did they beat the drum slowly? Did they play the fife lowly? Did they sound the death march as they lowered you down? Did the band play the last post and chorus? Did the pipes play the flowers of the fall? And welcome back, fuckers, to another edition of the Patriot Party Podcast. I am the Mick, and with me, of course, is my lovely, patriotic, beloved other half. Feelin'. Hello, Patriots. Uh, little tribute there to the 13 fallen Marines, um, well, Marine soldiers and sailors that were killed uh, since we haven't been on since then. Uh, well, we've been on, but we haven't had a chance to do our own podcast. We've been doing, we've had other people on. Uh, had a pretty loaded week, folks. Um, Candace Taylor was on. We had uh, Dave Weiss on. Uh, both of those recordings, and I apologize about the audio, and I apologize about the audio on this one. If the audio blows balls on this one, I'm sorry. But we're doing our best here with the soundboard, and again, we're still using Zencaster because I've yet been able to find another program that works uh, in and about the same way that Zencaster does. I but, might have a lead on that, but before we get rolling, I just I, I want to say their names. So we just played the video. If you guys are watching on Rumble, um, you saw, uh, thanks to Red State, again, for prompting us to get this uh, monitor. So uh, you saw the tribute that we played showing all their faces, but their names. So Marine Corps Sergeant Johanny Rosario, 25. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Riley McCollum, 20. Marine Corps, Marine Corps Lance Corporal David Espinoza, 20. Marine Corps... Lance Corporal Kareem Naku, 20. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Ricky Thompson, 21. Navy Fleet Marine Force Hospital Corpsman Max Sovayek, 22. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Jared Smith, 20. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Hunter Lopez, 22. U.S. Army Staff Sergeant Ryan Noss, 23. Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Darren Taylor Hoover, Jr., 31. 
Marine Corps Corporal Deegan Page, 23. Marine Corps Sergeant Nicole G, 23. Marine Corps Corporal Humberto Sanchez, 25. They were just babies. They were just kids. The oldest one was 31. The rest of them, most of them couldn't even have a beer. Yep. That is, uh, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. I, this is, you know, it, it's blood on Joe Biden's hands. It is. A hundred percent. There's no, no other way to really say it. I mean, he's really screwed the pooch on this one. And um, anybody that says any different is completely wrong. So I... I I have no other, nothing else to say about that other than uh, God grant them mercy and uh, may their souls eternally rest at your side. That's uh, about all I've got to say about that. So anyway, I think the New York Post said it best, dishonor. Well, dishonor. I think um, the New York Post. I think we need more than anything right now to see some uh, resignations amongst the top brass. I think we need to see an impeachment trial done. I think we need to watch Joe Biden get impeached. Um, I think we need to have every everything that we saw, and it's not about Donald Trump. It's not about what happened to Donald Trump. Uh, this is all about the Democrats set a standard with Donald Trump and what they did to him, how they impeached him twice, not once, but twice. Um, we need to start see. We need to see some Republicans, some rhinos, uh, because that's all they are. They're Republican in name only. We need to see you rhinos um, go ahead and start impeachment proceedings against the forty-sixth president of the United States, and he needs to fucking be impeached. They set a standard. That standard, he has done cross that line now three times. And we're going to show examples of that here today because I've got a bunch. We got a bunch of stories we've got to get through. Uh, unfortunately, we're on kind of a compressed timeline today, so we're going to try to keep this short, and sweet, and to the point. We're not yes, doing one yes. of our marathon. No, because we're violating recordings. the CDC guidelines and uh, traveling over Labor Day we're, with my we're, unvaccinated self. We're doing civil disobedience. <laughs> so, um, but. There's a lot of things that we need to see happen in Washington right now that um, I'm going to go ahead and put my uh, bet. If anybody's got any cash, let's throw it out on it. I'm going to bet that we're not going to see. We're going to call it out, um, and we're going to try and continue to call it out and call it out and call it out, but I guarantee we're not going to see it. So just be prepared, folks. Um, yeah, good old Mitch said, no, we're definitely not getting rid of the president. So The, the rhino in chief over there. Our rhino in chief. Um with our 13 dead, uh, came out on the 31st, um, and his administration, uh, he's defending his administration and the handling and the withdrawal from Afghanistan. This was reported in, uh, the Epic times, um, with the withdrawal declaring the end of a 20 year long conflict, but opening the possibility for the future airstrikes against ISIS and its affiliates within the country, which I kind of laugh at because where are we going to launch that from Joe? Uh, did you forget you just gave up? Bagram, uh, Bagram, which is our really our only air base in the region. Uh, the closest one we have to that is K two. Uh, good luck launching missions out of K two. Uh, that's going to take a bit, and I don't even know if the Turkmenistan uh, Turkmenis will allow us to fly out of there anymore. Let, now that we let Glenn Beck do it. Now that we're now that we withdrew, and their life is going to become even harder because they're going to have to deal with tal- the Taliban and ISIS. Uh, probably working together, but we'll get to that. Um, this way, the, uh, the, 
according to him, this is the way the mission was designed. He said often, he said, he said of the often messy evacuation and the withdrawal and the criticism from both major political parties, um, key family members who were killed by Taliban terrorists. Uh, he faced significant uh, criticism. He said the military had completed one of the biggest airlifts in history and that no nation had ever done anything like this in history before. Um, here's the shift, folks. Listen to what he just said. He said completed one of the biggest airlifts in history and that no nation had, anything, had ever done anything like that at all in history. Um, this is the shift in the narrative from a complete and total clusterfuck, which is what it was, to what he's going to do now, which is put a spin on it to make it positive. Okay. That's where they're going with this. I've called it before. I've said it a million times. I'm going to say it a million and two times. Um, and then he said, I take responsibility for the chaotic evacuation and withdrawal. Uh, no, he didn't. He took part responsibility, then blamed everything else on everyone else that he could blame. He blamed um, all the generals. He blamed Donald Trump. He literally blamed everybody except himself. He suggested that it was possible to leave. Uh, he suggested that it wasn't possible to leave in a more orderly manner, which I completely disagree with. Um, he just kind of all of a sudden farted and said, oh, well, let's just pull out of Afghanistan. I think we can do that. Um, he blamed the Afghan military and the government for collapsing the Taliban uh, or for collapsing against the Taliban and putting the security of Americans and Afghans on the ground at risk. Uh, then he blamed the evacuation of the government collapse on the Trump administration, saying that it was Donald Trump who hashed out the deal with the Taliban and the pullout for the pullout of the country by May 1. Uh, yeah, but his plan was so much more succinct, Joe. There's a problem there. His plan actually made sense. Your plan never made sense at any point in time. People still haven't gotten answers to why, why did we give up Bagram? Why, why do that? You had two airstrips at Bagram. You just, whatever, whatever, I don't care. Here you go. Oh, and Bagram's way more defendable. Why, why, why did we collapse on Kabul? Why didn't we collapse back on Bagram? I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, there's still not a good answer for that. Over the past few weeks, Trump has reportedly denounced Biden's pullout strategy and his withdrawal uh, was conditional. Other Trump era officials, including the former acting Pentagon chief, uh, Chris Miller reportedly, uh, recently said that the United States wasn't going to leave Afghanistan under Trump's deal and would have left a few troops behind. That's fine. We did that in Kuwait. We're still in Kuwait. We're still at Camp Doha. We did that in Germany after world war two and we're still there. And I mean, when he, he made the claim and I, I haven't done the research yet, so I've got to go look this up, but maybe somebody else knows right off the top of their head. But I thought the biggest airlift the United States ever conducted was better known as the Berlin airlift um, after World War II, when they split Berlin in half and the Russians took over one half and we took the other half, East and West Berlin, and the wall was built. I'm pretty sure that was a bigger airlift. I not a hundred percent sure, but I'm almost positive that was a bigger airlift. I, I have to do the research and find out. But uh, during the August 31st speech, Biden said there's about 100, 200 Americans still in Afghanistan. Nothing that the majority of these individuals, uh, those individuals dual, they have dual Afghan U.S. citizenship. Um, actually, Joe, I think the number is closer to four to 900 people because that is the actual number that I've heard from my people. And my people told me there's closer to four to 900 people there. And they've actually even estimated, they said it's probably on the higher side, where when I read all these stories to you, mind you, everybody's going to say that, oh, well, it's really, it's really on the low side. No, that's not. It's more on the high side. 90% uh, 90, uh, 90 of Americans in Afghanistan who wanted to leave were able to leave. And that is bullshit too, because I've also found out 
from my sources that reported um, a very large argument in the White House um, not too long ago between Joe the Ho and I want to say it was either Secretary of State Abe Lincoln or um, the Under Secretary of Defense, which is uh, uh, Kirby, I think, uh, Admiral Kirby. Or maybe it was Admiral Kirby. Kirby was involved in it. Anyway, the argument spanned um, about the gates being closed, and um, Joe said he that according to the argument, he did not know about the gates being closed. He's the commander in chief and mm. the supposed president of the United States. How does he not know that they closed the gates? That there were blue passport holding Americans literally pounding on the gates that tried to get into the airport for days. And they were denied. There are 24 California students. First off, only California would send a bunch of kids to a war-torn country for... Such as Afghanistan. Such as Afghanistan for a field trip. But that's neither here nor there. That's the reason why we call it the land of fruits and nuts. But regardless, there are 24 children still stuck in Afghanistan. They haven't gotten out yet. I mean, uh, there's all sorts of different operations going on too. Currently, um, I've been asked to be a part of a couple of them. Well, one of them, the big one, and I, I knew what my answer would be if I talked to the wife. But um, <laughs> long story we short, we played that game again, and this time, although, babe, I have to say that if there was ever a time that I would be okay with you going back over there, it would probably be now. Uh, of course, she fucking says that now. But <laughs> anyway, um, but the big one, uh, one of the bigger ones, actually, that I uh, was asked was uh, this new one that they said. You called it something else. The, and The uh, news is calling it the Pineapple Express. And what all the guys on the ground are calling it is Operation Camelback, which I kind of find giggly because that's like a piece of equipment we've been issued, something that we use all the time. Kind of funny. Well, whatever they're calling it, it's been apparently pretty successful. So according to News Wars, um, as Biden abandoned Afghan allies, retired U.S. special ops hatched, quote, Operation Pineapple Express, rescuing over 600 from Taliban slaughter. Deep frustration that our own government didn't do this. We did what we should do as Americans, says former Navy SEAL in operation. Of course, it was a Navy SEAL. I bet his publicist approved that. Probably. I'm just saying. But, you know, the other one that's gone out and uh, raised a bunch of money and went and ran missions. Well, there's two, actually. There was a congressman who was a retired service member. Um and I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Uh, and of course you are. You've never heard of him. Uh, it's uh, really, yeah. I doubt it. Probably. I mean, I hadn't heard of him before. But anyway, he he went dark for a couple of days. He went over there and he rescued like uh, five Americans and then uh, an Afghan family. And then Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck res raised almost thirty million dollars and was running ops into Afghanistan to get people out. And you know who shut him down? Uh, probably State Department. The State Abe Department. Lincoln, Abe Lincoln. Probably. Yeah, they because they said that the biggest problem they've had getting people out is the State Department. Yep. That's been their their biggest issue, their biggest roadblock. Yep. Is our State Department. Yep. Getting people out. That's just ridiculous. So and and then you know what people got mad about Glenn Beck for? Not the fact that he raised thirty million dollars and he went and he saved Americans. They got mad at him because he didn't rescue the dogs that we left behind. So well, I think what we should have get, been getting mad at. In the beginning of all of this is the fact that Joe Biden didn't do dick to begin with. So uh, everyone loves dogs. I don't care what party you're with. If you don't love dogs, then we don't like you. Um, 
but here, here's a video of the Kabul airport after we left. And you know, the, the military has made a big stink about, Oh, we didn't leave any of our dogs behind. Okay. We had a working dog. And let me tell you, that's what this looks like. So, you know, the airport's a, a mess. It's just like paper and barbed wire, um, pieces of cloth floating around. And we'll get there in just a second here. I mean, it looks abandoned. There's vehicles with their doors just hanging open, random shopping carts, an airplane that's apparently not going anywhere. Well, not anytime and soon. What kind of dog is that, babe? Because that looks like a mouse. It's a mouse and German Shepherd. German that's Shepherds. A that's a mouse. Two mouse and a German Shepherd. I'm sorry. Belgian Malinois are not stray dogs in Afghanistan. Nope. No. Those are military working dogs. Look at them. They're gorgeous. Well, they might not be hungry. military working dogs. They well, might be. they're contractors working yeah. dogs is my understanding. Um, but even still, I mean, when we got our dog, what we, we joked that he was the million dollar dog, but that wasn't far off. No, because uh, roughly with all of his training and everything else the military had put into him, it was uh, 68 uh, roughly, he was worth a uh, little over seventy thousand dollars. Is his with total training, total time on the ground, everything he had done, he was worth seventy thousand dollars. Now, to us, he was priceless. I mean, that'll never ever change. I mean, he was a priceless dog. But um, I, I again, what else can we say? There's not much more you can say. It well, is what it is, and we are here still, and we've got to. Um, now, what do we do is the question. And that's what these guys went over there with that intent. Um, you know, all these groups that are going over there and rescuing these people, they're probably shacked up somewhere just outside of Afghanistan, Turkmenistan. Uh, uh, there's plenty of places, all the stands over there. We've had bases in them before. We've uh, lived there before. Americans were there before. Uh, it's nothing new to them to see us there. Um, and I guarantee they're in those areas hiding out and they're going in grabbing people up and they're pulling them out to the foreign embassies and the countries in which they're at. But for that to happen, it requires you to have a lot of this. You got to have a lot of cash. If you don't have the cash, you're not getting those people out because you got to grease the wheels in the right spots. And it's when you don't grease the, the wheels in the right spots that you have the problems. So, um, but that's all inherent or intrinsic with just that part of the operation. So once they start pulling those people out, I mean, which we will see, I, I can't wait till we start getting people back that start talking about what was taking place at the airport. That's what we need to hear. That's the part that they have to come forward with. They have to be able to come forward and say, hey, look, this is what was going on at the airport. Apparently, we the government has refused to allow any of them to speak to the news media and refused to allow the news media to interview them. Well, if we're getting them out through these private organizations, I got a feeling that's not going to be the case because they're not going to have any control of those people when they get here. So those government organizations that are out there right now, I mean, they're not a part of the government. So these people are going to come to this country almost essentially illegally. Um, and if the news media was really smart, they send their reporters over to wherever these guys are. And if they have to sign non-disclosure statements about where they're at and what they're doing, then sign a non-disclosure statement, but get a reporter on the ground so we can start getting these people's voices as to what actually took place at the airport. So that way, when the congressional meeting begins or the Senate meeting about what took place in Afghanistan begins, we can then you know, light some fires under people's nuts. We can crush some people's nuts. It, that has to happen. That has to be part of this uh, democratic process, so to speak. And 
in the meantime, though, Joe, Joe Biden's still out there and he is shifting the blame. Yes, he said Tuesday that he took responsibility for his decisions on Afghanistan. However, he offered plenty of potential culprits at the same time that he offered this bit about who he was going to blame. Uh, 100 plus American citizens who didn't make it out. They were notified 19 times with multiple warnings and offers to help them leave Afghanistan all the way back as far as March. You mean to tell me you only sent 19 fucking messages from March on? That was it? That should have been a message every fucking day to these people saying, look, shit's getting tight. Shit's getting, you know, we got to get out. But back in March, he was saying that everything was okay. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't going to be dangerous. We're going to get to that. Stand by, stand by, stand by. And he said, adding most of these were dual citizens anyway. So they don't count. They don't matter. Well, what's the difference? They're a citizen of the United States. They carry a blue passport. They are an American. Jesus Christ, Joe, get, get, get it out of your head. Uh, the fall of Kabul far earlier than most of the intelligence and military advisors predicted. Biden pointed a finger at the Afghan army, and he said that he instructed his team to prepare for every eventuality. Plus, he had to withdraw quickly because of his deal, of his deal, the deal that his pre- predecessor, former Donald Trump, had cut last year with the Taliban. Um, Joe, if you had just followed the plan that Donald Trump put in place, uh, we wouldn't be in the position we're in right now. And how can he blame Trump's deal when he already broke Trump's deal because he kept going over and over again saying, oh, well, you know, Trump wanted us out May 1st. What, what's what's today's date? Because I believe it's September. Well, he argued that the bottom line is that no evacuation from the end of a war uh, that you can run without the kinds of complexities and challenges and threats we faced. Biden emphasized roughly 30 uh, roughly through a 30 minute White House address. None. He said there's none. Um, Joe, no, you created 90 percent of it because your haphazard way of getting people the hell out of that country. The fact that you just sat there and said, oh, hey, come on, guys, let's go. Let's just leave. And not only did you do it like that, but on top of that, you broadcast the fact that we were leaving. You made the biggest spectacle out of you put a target on every American's back that was over there the second that you said, hey, we're just going to get up and leave. Oh, by the way, I already sent the military home. Why would you even come out and say anything like that? Keep your mouth shut, sit in the corner, suck on your ice cream, and just don't talk. And this is this is not a right-leaning source where this came from. This came from Politico. Oh, oh, I know. They are not, again, Joe, when you lose Politico, you've you've lost the presidency pretty much over at that point. And then another article, another one going into, remember how I said it was between four and 900 yep. Americans that were left behind, right? Yep. Uh, there were hundreds of Americans left behind. This is the same day. This uh, came out uh, August 30th, same day as that last one that I read before this, this one, same day. Um, and they they went from one to 200 to the Washington Examiner going to hundreds, just hundreds. They just used the word hundreds because this actually came from uh, General Frank McKenzie Jr., uh, U.S. CENTCOM commander, the Marine who basically abandoned every American there. Um, 120,000 foreign nationals at risk Afghans under newly created Taliban regime were air- airlifted out. Calling it a great success. Again, good job, guys. Good. Oh, great. It was a great success, really. Um, however, Commander told reporters that a number of Americans and Afghans who want to evacuate is in the very low hundreds, according to him, on Monday, shortly after announcing all the troops had departed. 
Um, one more time there, General McKenzie. I, I'm not really sure what Marine Corps you grew up in, but I know a lot of Marines that are fucking pissed right now. And they're all saying the same thing. We don't leave our own behind. We take everyone with us. I'm not really sure how he thinks this is still a success or how he could even, he, I don't even understand how he has it in his mind that that is some measure of success that they left Americans on the ground in Afghanistan where 90% of them, um, and they were, uh, there was a video uh, Bongino had on the show the other day. And uh, I didn't watch the video. I just heard it because um, I listened to the uh, podcast, but the video that they showed, um, which he told us about, if you were just listening, where was this person who was recording uh, the Taliban going house to house. And every time they kicked in a door, you heard like 10 to 15 shots where they just started shooting people. So just to give you an idea, folks, the Taliban's already doing it. They're whacking people left, right, and center. It's only going to be time before American heads start turning up on you know, YouTube or other places where the Taliban haven't been taken down. Because now I guess they're considered a legitimate government. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, they're allowed on Twitter um, and, and Facebook maybe too and YouTube. But they don't need to just kick in doors searching for Americans because we gave them lists with Americans' names and the names of everyone who helped us. And on top of that, no, the, they now have all no, of the biometric data. Those lists, that list that you're referring to and the biometric data stuff that you're referring to that we supposedly turned over, those are all Afghans. There's no Americans in those systems. Those are all Af Afghans who worked for us. That's all that the, that list was. There's no American. I'm If he gave over American names... Then, My understanding, and from his speech, he said that they may have given over American names. And the way he, he Biden, um, tried to write it off was he said that, well, if there was a busload of people coming in, we gave their names to the Taliban so they would know to let them through. Well, um, on this one, it gets better because American citizens will have to rely on the diplomatic efforts of the State Department to leave. However, it is not likely there will be a diplomatic presence in Afghanistan, said Secretary A. Blanket, basically calling the quiet part out loud. You're fucked. You're, yeah, good luck. Oh, by the way, remember this, remember this statement, folks. Um, they are not stupid. Abe Lincoln's not stupid. Um, Jen Psaki, she's not stupid. But she thinks you're stupid. That is something, just remember that for the rest of this show, because that is, this plays a key part into all of this. Um, and then there, and then according to Abe Lincoln, he went on, there's apparently one to 200 Americans still in Afghanistan who want to leave. Okay. So why did we leave without taking them? Next question, Abe. Next question. Um, Blinken said on Monday, explaining that the exact number is closer toward the lower part of that range. Uh, which one? The four to nine? Because uh, from what I understand, there's four to 900 Americans that are still trapped that were abandoned in Afghanistan. I believe the word is stranded. Uh, well, that's the one that... Um, Pisaki doesn't want us to say. Exactly. Yeah. Abe Lincoln went on, though. He said, I think there's, going, there's also going to be ne to negotiate very hard and very aggressively to get our Afghan partners out, he had added. The military phase is over, but our desire to bring them out is as intense as it was before. The weapons have just shifted, if you will, from the military realm to the diplomatic realm, and the Department of State will take that the lead on that. Okay. Whenever have we ever... Am, our entire your existences, your life, my life, anybody's life. Have we ever, ever negotiated with terrorists? We have not. Well, but, not, but yeah, not, not the, now. The, the, the not weapons, now. the weapons have shifted. Okay. You want to see where the weapons have shifted? Here's a graphic of the Taliban's new arsenal. They have 22,174 Humvees, 
634 M117s, 155 uh, MX Pro mineproof vehicles, mineproof vehicles, 169 armored personnel carriers, 42,000 pickup trucks and SUVs, 64,363 machine guns, 8,000 trucks, 162,043 radios, 16,035 night vision goggles and devices, 358,530 assault rifles, 126,295 pistols, and 176 artillery pieces. Oh, wait, it gets better. There's more. 33 helicopters, um, 33 Blackhawks, 33, uh, sorry, 43 MD 530s. What's that? Little birds. Okay. Um, four uh, for fixed wing aircrafts, four C 130s, 23 uh, Super Tucano, 314 A29 Super Tucano, 28 Cessnas, and 10 Cessna Strike aircrafts. Oh, yeah. Seriously, we gave them. Uh, that's that's mind-boggling. They are now better equipped than m- most NATO countries. $85, 83000000000 billion in weapons? Uh, I'm sorry. Look, they're throwing a freaking military parade. All right, give me one second here, because you just jumped through a whole story I was going to do. and Sorry. I, uh, you I, completely I, blew that whole thing up. Thank you very much for absolutely no lead. However, you're very welcome. Um, this continues, yes, and there's... There, Obviously, you can look here, watch the video, because, yeah, they, they did have a victory parade mm-hmm. on Wednesday in Canada Heart, second biggest, bu- biggest city, and they showed off the U.S. military uh, hardware that they had seized. They had uh, Blackhawks flying around above the uh, parade um, and the procession. Anyway, but long story short, the worst part about this is I have another source on the ground that's in Afghanistan who said he was watching the Taliban box up or put on train ba- on trains. Uh, that we're leaving the country, uh, going to Iran, uh, our, our equipment. So now we have just funded the Iranian military. Well done, Joe. You, you, again, you, uh, I don't know if there's anything else you're going to do that will ever shock me again. But as you can see in these pictures right here, there's, our, there's the military parade they were having, and it was the Max Pro edition MRAPs that you were talking about, um, uh, the, the Super Takano, that is a, um, it's a, Basically, a plane we use for transportation, sending people around. Um, oh, look, there's one of our helicopters. Uh, but all, all going around, um, you know, they're flying in and out of um, everywhere with those Blackhawks. The funny part is, is I don't know how much fuel they have left. That's going to be comical because those the fuel that go, go in those birds are pretty specific. Um, so, Well, they had enough to hang someone from them. Well, right now they do. They're going to. But... The more and more they fly, the problem is, is they've got to get the thing that worries me the most is that these helicopters, all this stuff that we had, especially the armor and some of that Max Pro stuff that we had out there is now all going to be uh, broke down and sent to China. And China is going to get a chance to re-engineer it or reverse engineer it, figure out what is in those vehicles. And then we've got to deal with the outcome in that one. Not only that, um, the Taliban now have like the greatest, if we ever have to go back in there, they have the greatest amount of camouflage that you can ever see anywhere else in the world because they will blend right in with us because they look just like we do now because they have all of our uniforms. They have all of our, uh, you know, all of our equipment. We won't know whether we're shooting at our own people or we're shooting at the Taliban. So that's going to get really weird, um, in the future. But I know the last time I was there, um, 
and something that you always see strewn around Afghanistan, um, especially with the Russians. Um, there's a bunch, there was a bunch of Russian pieces that were laid out all over Afghanistan, rusting to heck. They looked like they still worked at one point um, until one thing we know about the Taliban is they really don't like technology. They walk around. They don't prefer to drive. They prefer to walk, um, use their little mopeds because they're easier to fix. They can get fuel for them and they don't have to worry about any refinement or anything. Um, that's why I don't, I don't know how much of this equipment is actually going to stay in Afghanistan. I think most of it's going to get shipped out like we've already seen. I'm sure China's already taken a bunch of it. And I know a bunch is going to Iran now. So now the question really becomes is what happens now? And one of the things that when we started the show out with, we talked about how we need to see a impeachment trial go on. And one of the big ones that just came out, it just leaked. Um, this was uh, three days ago. This popped out August 31st. Uh, Reuters got uh, Reuters, sorry, Reuters got um, a call between uh, Biden and Ghani to change the perception of what was going on in Afghanistan. Um, and what did they impeach Trump for the second time? A phone call. Wasn't that the quid pro quo? Yeah. So quid the pro- one that Joe, that Biden actually did. Yeah. Quid yeah. pro quo Joe um, said uh, in a trans in the transcript that Reuters got their hands on. Uh, they authenticated the audio in the conversation, the materials provided, and the condition of uh, under a condition of. Uh, and anonymity from a source uh, who is not author- who is not authorized to distribute it. But in the call, Biden offered Ghani and would publicly pr- project um, project he had a plan to control the spiraling situation in Afghanistan. We will continue to provide close air support if we know what the plan is. Biden says days before the U.S. carried out the airstrikes to support the Afghan security forces, a move in the Taliban said that the violation it was in violation of the Doha Peace Accord. So basically, what he was trying to do was tell um, Ghani said, "Hey, look, uh, we'll we'll provide you, you know, air support. However, I need you to lie." I need you to. That's what Biden said to Ghani. Correct. I need you to tell me, tell us a different situation as to what's going on on the ground in Afghanistan. You need to make it sound peaceful. You cannot make it sound like we're We're starting again. Yeah. And uh, he advised Ghani to buy in the powerful Afghans uh, in the military to a strategy going forward. And he said, put them, put the warrior in charge of that effort. A reference to defense, defense minister, general Bishmul Khan Muhammad Mahadi. Biden laughed and uh, lauded the Afghan armed forces and told, um, and who, which were trained by the, and funded by the U S government. You clearly have the best military. He told Ghani. You have 300,000 well-armed forces versus 70 to 80,000 Taliban and clearly not capable of fighting very well. Days later, the Afghan military started folding like a pack of cards across the provincial capitals in the country where a little and where there was a little fight, where there was little fight against the Taliban. And much of the call, Biden focused on what he called the Afghans. Afghan government's perception problem. I need not tell you that the perception around the world in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that the things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban, Biden said. And there is a need, whether it is true or not, there needs to be a project of a different picture. That is telling Ghani to lie in Joe's words. He's no, he's just giving him the narrative that he needs to yep. spin. Uh, that this that change that will change the perception and will change an awful lot, I think, to help you in the future. 
all Joe's words. Change the perception. It's just pushing another narrative. It doesn't matter what the truth is. It's not the truth. It's your truth. Ghani told Biden that he believed um, there could be a peace if he could um, relance the military solution, but he added, we need to move with more speed. We are facing full-scale invasion composed of the Taliban. This Understand, this call took place back in, was it April originally, I think is the call? Yeah, I think it was April. No, it was on, on July 23rd. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's, he, he told them he's, this is on July 23rd. We are facing a full scale invasion composed of the Taliban, full Pakistani planning, logistical support, and at least 10 to 15,000 international terrorists, predominantly Pakistanis thrown into this. Ghani said Afghan government officials and U S experts have consistently pointed to the Pakistani support for the Taliban key to the group's resurgence, which is very true. They always went across the border to restock, resupply, get more fighters. They went to Pakistan. That's where they got all that stuff from. Um, but this was all on the 23rd of July. We knew about this. My question about that, this is a bad thing. This is horribly bad, right? My question is, how did this leak? Remember what I told you all hmm. a couple episodes ago. Remember what I said? I said they were setting somebody up for the fall. Yep. How bad is this for Joe? I mean, it's, it's, Rats off a sinking ship right now. No, 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 no. This, notice how you don't hear about any other politicians involved in this. Oh, yeah, that was just Joe on the phone. Just Joe. Just Joe. Well, how, how do you, this? listen to what I'm saying. How does that get out like that? You mean to tell me that somebody went to a liberal news agency who was more than willing to report it because Reuters is not conservative in any mean, shape, no, or form. definitely not. Okay, so this leaker, who was probably approved by somebody in the vice president's building. Uh-huh. Just throwing that out there. That's that would what I be think. my guess. Yep. And or Nancy Pelosi's office. Oh, she's got to, something coming to her too. Went to Reuters under the condition of anonymity to ensure that this stuff got out. So the next thing, just calling it right now, folks, watch for the 25th. Watch for impeachment. Because right now, if you look at this and you remember what they did in in what the liberals did to Trump, Biden just did the same thing. So under the liberals, you know, precipices of impeachment, under their rules for impeachment, this is an impeachable offense. He can be impeached. They did it to Trump. They set a precedent with Trump, and now they can do it again to Biden. But let's see what Pisaki had to say about it specifically. In any way, pushing a false narrative in that call with the Afghan president. I think it's pretty clear. Again, I'm not going to go into details of a private conversation, but really? what we saw over the course of the last few months is a, a collapse in leadership. And that was happening even before Ghani left the country. What the president has conveyed repeatedly, privately, and publicly is you need to stand up and lead your country. And that's something he said at a press conference in July in public forum as well. Just well, a okay. Okay. Listen to what she said there. This is what I'm talking about, folks. Listen to what she said there. She said, I'm not going to comment on a private phone call. Do you have her tweet? From oh, there we go. September 24th, 2019, Jen Psaki. It's not just the call transcript. The whistleblower complaint would likely have more details. We need both and not just the call. Wow. Well, Jen, um, she's a liar. It's obvious. We know that she's a liar. She knows that we know that she's a liar. I mean, the double standard. It's not We know that you. she knows that we know that she's a liar. 
she knows that we know that she knows that we know that she knows that she's a liar. Everybody knows. So the point on this is, again, remember, she's not dumb. She's a smart person. She thinks you're too dumb to, to know that she tweeted that out at the same time about Trump, President Trump. She, she thinks that about you. She thinks you're dumb. Abe Lincoln thinks you're dumb, that you won't remember this, that come 2022, you will not remember this, that come 2024, we will not remember this. Well, here's another thing that they're hoping we're not going to remember. So initially, and ex please explain this, babe, because um, initial reports when our 13 heroes came back to the States was that no one from the administration had met the plane. And then we see Joe Biden um, checking his watch as they're coming off. Do they, where do they come in and where do they go after that? What do you mean? So and initially, like when, when they ship a body back over, and I know you've met them, so I, I know you know this, but when they initially come over and they're- They go to Andrews. They go to Andrews. Land at Andrews. Okay. And then from Andrews, they go- They're transported by hearse to Dover. So- this where he's checking his watch that was at Dover? No, that was at Andrews. So he did show up at Andrews. Yeah. Okay. Cause initially the news was that no one from the administration. No, there was nothing to... there was nothing planned. That's what the news was. Uh, there was nothing okay. planned. Right. It wasn't on like the official calendar schedule for the president, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Cause that's I was I was confused about that. I knew you could clear it up. So um as they're bringing these flag draped coffins off the plane at Andrews, here's here's Joe Biden. Sergeant uh, Nicole G, who was the one. Here we go. One of the two female Marines who were killed among the 13. Look at him. She was the one Checking who posted that Instagram post holding the baby saying, I love my job just a few days ago. As you talked about Sergeant uh, Nicole G. Look at that. Who was the one of the two female Marines who were killed among the 13. Checking his watch. Checking his watch. Actually, uh, a buddy of mine, um, this is really funny. I'm going to just read this really quick. I'm not going to put it up on the screen because uh, I don't think I have it to put up on the screen to begin with. But um, so uh, he sent this to me and it was really funny. The top 10 times you should never look at your watch. Okay. Number 10 at your job. Number nine at your child's birth. At number eight at your kid's baseball game. Number seven during sex. Six on a first date. Five at your um, at your kid's graduation. Four at your wedding. Three at church. Two at your kid's recital. And number one at the airport while they're bringing thirteen coffins that hold the remains of thirteen brave soldiers whose death you are responsible for. Uh, I think that sums that one up right there. So uh, moving right along, these uh, we have another. We finally are starting to see some of the people stand up. Um, especially in the military. This one was obviously has made its rounds, but uh, everybody knows uh, by now, if you don't, I apologize, but we're going to bring it up for you. Lute uh, Marine Corps Lute Lieutenant Colonel uh, Stuart Scheller, who went on, uh, on, who went viral Friday over a video uh, demanding accountability from the senior leaders at the Pentagon over the botched mission in Afghanistan. And he's been relieved for cause, of course, um, based on, the lack of trust and confidence, according to an update posted on social media. Um, My name is Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller. Sorry. United States Marine Corps, the current battalion commander. 
This is his uh, first video. Hey, everybody. Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller coming at you from an abandoned school bus in eastern North Carolina. Hold on. This is the first you know me, training you know. Oh, my God. Where's Where are you getting all these videos from? Outpouring of support Hold on. Let me stop this. Yeah, stop I've... that. Okay. I don't know how they're playing over each other. Because they're two separate windows. Everything I had queued up just shut down, so I had to find it again. But let's let's start with his first video. Now, it is his first one's like four minutes long. Um, the second one's a little longer. Here you go. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller, United States Marine Corps, and the current battalion commander for Advanced Infantry Training Battalion. I've been in the Marine Infantry for 17 years. Started my tour with Victor 1-8. It's the current unit that's doing perimeter security, dealing with the mess that's going on there. I, You can see open source reporting that there was an explosion and some people were killed. I know through my inside channels that one of those people that were killed was a someone that I have a personal relationship with. Won't go into more details because the families are still being notified. Not making this video because um, it's you know potentially an emotional time. Making it because I have a growing discontent and contempt for my perceived ineptitude at the foreign policy level, and I want to specifically ask some questions to some of my senior leaders. And I'll say, as a person that's not at twenty years. I feel like I have a lot to lose. If you play chess, you can only see two to three moves out because there's too many variables. I thought through if, if I post this video, what might happen to me, especially if the video picks up traction, if I have the courage to post it. But I think what you believe in can only be defined by what you're willing to risk. So if I'm willing to risk my current battalion commander's seat, my retirement, my family's stability to say some of the things that I want to say, I think it gives me some moral high ground to demand the same honesty, integrity, accountability from my senior leaders. And so I want to start with, we'll just use the Marine Corps, My, we'll just stick with the Marine Corps. So in the current fallout of Afghanistan, a lot of Marines were posting on social media. And in response to that, the Commandant published a letter, which is the service chief of the Marine Corps. And I want to read from it. It was dated 18 August, so only a week ago, the commandant, sir, you wrote, some of you may be struggling with a simple question. Was it all worth it? We want you to know that your service is meaningful, powerful, and important. You fought for the Marine to your left and the Marine to your right. You never let them down. Then you go on to say that, you know, if we're, we're struggling, we should, we should seek counseling, which, you know, I get it. People have killed people. Um, I've killed people and I, and I seek counseling um, and that's fine. There's a time and place for that. But the reason people are so upset on social media right now is not because the Marine on the battlefield let someone down. That service member has always rose to the occasion, done extraordinary things. People are upset because their senior leaders let them down and none of them are raising their hands and accepting accountability or saying, we messed this up. If an 05 battalion commander. So as you can see, this guy is 100% the real deal. I mean, he even struggled with whether he was going to post this video or not. Um, he stands to lose a lot. I mean, he can still be court-martialed, uh, which is now happening. Apparently, he is waiting for charges. Article 32 charges come down. Um, he is also he's going to lose his retirement. Um, They're questioning his mental health. Yeah, um, amongst other things. Um, this video is the reason we're cutting this video short folks is we just have to get through this podcast. Um, we've got somewhere to be, uh, in a very short, short amount of time. Anyway, you will be able to find this video and the other video on telegram. Uh, I promise watch both of them.
we're seeing military members now speak out. Like I called before, I said, hey, why don't we see anybody calling out? Why don't we see any of the military guys just, you know, um, under Trump, every general like almost threatened to resign because- Mattis of, did, did resign. Because of his mean tweets. I mean, and now we've got a guy that's literally killing Americans and I haven't seen a resignation yet nor have I seen anybody get charged with a crime, nor have I seen anybody impeached, nor have I seen, I mean, there was a, a letter sent uh, by uh, former four-star you know, uh, flag officers for America, former flag officers for America. And I know this letter was sent. I, I, I've actually seen the letter. I know what was said. And it went to Biden and it demanded the removal of Austin, the removal of McKenzie, the remo- removal of, uh, uh, the other guy, the admiral, uh, well, Millie and the admiral removal of these people, these flag officers are saying, no, this is wrong. What they are doing is wrong. They're destroying our military, get rid of them. And this is all, I I love it. I think that's what needs to happen. I think there's more of that that needs to happen. I'm not just talking about that. There has to be more. We have to have more people coming out saying the same thing. What we really need is some Congress people who have, I don't know, maybe half a ball, um, we need them to stand up and say, hey, look, uh, this has got to stop and start holding the White House accountable. One of the things I know I just heard of, which it's a little too late, uh, too way after the fact. Well, we're going to ask how much how much equipment was left behind. And there has to be now a direct accountability for everything left behind, which I think that's BS, too, because I think that's just a, a shell game as well. They're just trying to cover crap up. And that's all that is. And it's going to get worse. So, I mean, these are all things going on right now with Afghanistan. Um, We also have uh, some parents now. Um, More parents are standing up too. Big time. We got Marines doing it. And now we have parents doing it. Parents really started this in school board meetings, going in and saying, no, my kid is not wearing a mask. No, you're not going to vaccinate my child. And now we have even more even more parents doing it. We actually have some videos of that too. Again, we will post all this to our telegram, but we have parents going into school board meetings, standing up to the school boards. This is one of the mama bears. And we had the privilege of meeting some of the mama bears in Tampa. Um, they're pretty amazing. Good evening. Um, my name is Kiri Bola. You see my shirt, it says mama. And I'm a mama bear. And I know there's a lot of mama bears here tonight. And no one's going to mess with our cups. That's right. So you know. Um, I'm a resident of Encinitas, born and raised San Diegan, and tonight I'm simply here to tell you to unmask our children. We're done begging. In fact, we're done asking for permission. That's right. We are going to be unmasking our children today. That's right. The pandemic is over. The parents are done. We're done asking you, public servants, for permission. We are done. You can all wear your masks. In fact, you can wear two masks and three masks. You can wear gloves. You can have plexiglass. You can do whatever you need to do to keep you safe. But we, the parents, believe we have a choice for our children. And I don't know who you think you are, that you think that you have more of a say than us, the parents, Mm -hmm. and our doctors. Mm -hmm. I don't know who any of you think you are. I really don't. It ends today. That's right. I I support those women 100%. I support everything she just said right there. Who are you? You know, it's funny. I got into... uh, uh, it wasn't an argument, but uh, it was one of our uh, one of the guys I work with, and he had brought up the point. He said, "You know, if only people just went and got vaccinated." And I said, "Well, I don't have to do that." And he said, "It's people like that that are the problem." And I looked at him and I said, "Why is that?" 
He said, well, what gives you the right not to go get vaccinated? I said, it's a document that was signed like some 240 years ago. Um, it starts out, you know, we the people, uh, has the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And this person looked at me and he said, oh, well, where does it say you don't have to get vaccinated? I said, well, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, I'm not really sure where it says that I have to. It says that I, I, I choose how to live my life. I choose it. Not, not you, not some person that sits on a school board and sure as hell, no government official. The reason the documents there is to protect us, the people from the government. That's the reason the documents there, because we know what happens when you don't have a document such as that there to protect you and the people. Well, this is, this is what the school board, one of them says uh, they, they think they are. Here you go. So there is a way that, yes, we do have to take some of your rights back sometimes for the health of all parents do not have uh, the all-encompassing right to raise their child no parents aren't always right and 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 parents don't always react correctly yes we are and yes. you're an idiot <laughs> yes you you Straight do up, not have the right to take my child away you have no right to tell not. me what to do what who are you to tell me who is this who is that woman uh sarasota school board in florida Sarasona County School Board in Florida. Yep. Wow. Yep. Ron. Her name was uh, Shirley Brown, I believe. Sorry, Governor DeSantis. Where yeah, are you, man? No kidding, Come right? on, dude. You, you need to come down on that. that, that. <laughs> well, <laughs> so uh, continuing on with schools here, there's a couple other things that, you know, it's more than just parents standing up, although this came from parents standing up. So there was this one teacher. Although, good old. Project Veritas got it too. But yep. the, let's go with this first one here. Um, there's this one teacher and if this will load here. Um, so they, the kids noticed every day they had to get up and say the pledge of allegiance and there was no flag in her classroom. So she said, well, that's okay. Here it is. Okay. So during third period, we have announcements and they do the pledge of allegiance. I always tell my class, stand if you feel like it, don't stand if you feel like it, say the words if you want, don't have to say the words. So my class decided to stand but not say the words. Totally fine. Except for the fact that my room does not have a flag. It used to be there. But I took it down during COVID because it made me uncomfortable. And um, I packed it away and I don't know where and I haven't found it yet. <laughs> But it my made her uncomfortable. kid today goes, hey, um, it's kind of weird that we just stand and then, you know, we say it to nothing. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I got to find it. Like, I'm working on it. I got you. In the meantime, I tell this kid, we do have a flag in the class that you can pledge your allegiance to. And he, like, looks around and he goes, oh, that one? It's a pride flag. <laughs> Okay, so during third period, we have announcements. It's literally and the- a pride flag. Um, She's been fired, by the way. God. She's been removed. Thank God. Where um, was she at? She was in California. Go figure. Big surprise there. Uh, and then the other one, this was the one that Project Veritas got. This was fantastic. So this guy, straight up Antifa. No joke. 
again, I lost everything I had queued up, which really sucks. So, of course, we, we haven't had the e- easiesty day either. No, it's been 180 long. days to turn them into revolutionaries. How do you do that? How do you scare the fuck out of them? Sacramento organization that is under the banner of Antifa is, is very loosely organized, right? Um, so that, yeah, when, when there's like right wing rallies and stuff, then we like. She will create an opposition to that. Yeah. Beautiful. Where would you go to connect with some of these organizations? Like, they, no, I, I post calendar every week. Awesome. And then, so, like, they, it's, and I do it for extra credit. So they get points for doing it. Like, and so that encourages them to do it. <laughs> and I've, I've had, like, students show for, like, protests, community events, you know, tabling, food distribution, also sorts of things. They, when they go, they take pictures, they write up a reflection. That's their extra credit. Like, I, I have an Antifa flag on my, on my wall. Um, and a student complained about that, and he said it made him feel uncomfortable. Well, this is meant to make fascists feel uncomfortable, so if you feel uncomfortable, I, I don't really know what he like. So, <laughs> essentially, he just called the kid a fascist. Yes. Yes, he did. What a piece of shit. Yep. The values that it, this is antithetical to. So, the Cultural Revolution in the 60s was fixing the problem that came about after the economic problem. It ultimately failed. Right, um, and there was a lot of excesses. People were definitely like, you know, shot in the streets that probably shouldn't have been. Incredibly ugly behavior come out of this city. So again, it's a ten-minute video. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but that's the highlights that they were started at the beginning of the Project Veritas video. So thank you, Project Veritas, for that one. Um, he has also been fired. So, and he also was in California, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So people remember, we've only caught what two now on video. Um, really. We've only caught two, and there's probably way more out there. He actually said in that video mm-hmm. that he knows of just a, a, a couple more in his school that did, you know, felt the same way. And I'm sure there's a couple in almost every public school, especially in California, that are literally indoctrinating our children. That's that's their whole goal. As as he said, he's got 180 day to, days to turn them into revolutionaries, to turn them into communists. That's exactly what he's doing. It's, it's absolutely just disgusting. Um, you know, the other thing that's disgusting, I, I was on Twitter yesterday and I came across this tweet that I I didn't pull up. Um, but this woman said that she had enrolled her nine-year-old in the Pfizer study for the vaccine. And she was so excited and going down the tweets, it's like, everyone's like, Oh, your kid's such a hero. Where can I enroll my seven-year-old in this? I want my kid to take the shot. Oh, my 10-year-old is enrolled in this, this study, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Are you freaking kidding me? I, I can't even. So, uh, and moving along with that, with the kids, (laughs) you know, um, Texas, the Supreme Court decided to block the abortion bill. Uh, we're going to get more into that at an, on another podcast, but that's another just, I, there's a whole thing I have on that too. And that's about the, the shadow. And there's a whole shadow thing going on right now with the Supreme Court um, that I think a lot of people need to be aware of because that is uh, actually really scary. If you think about it, they have a, basically they have a shadow, um, <clears throat> I want to call it a, uh, it's not really a shadow. It's a, uh, not a shadow government per se, but it's a, um, uh, I don't know, a shadow docket that the Supreme court now is looking at and they're, they're doing shit behind our backs. Um, and they're not supposed to. So uh, we're going to get more into that in another podcast. That'll be our next one probably, but that's another really scary thing. If you think about tyrannical governments and you think about the way the Supreme court was created and what the Supreme court was created for, um, 
that's really scary that they're doing this stuff behind our backs and it's not in the open like it's supposed to be. But moving right along, we've got COVID, more COVID news coming out this week, of course, uh, also came out. Um, there was a big piece in the Epic Times about who's really being hospitalized for COVID. And uh, there's some more whistleblowers that are coming out. Um, there's a lady actually um, that just won a court case with a judge in um, Illinois, I believe, uh, where or Idaho. I'm sorry, it was Idaho. And the hospital was required to give her husband um, ivermectin uh, because she asked for ivermectin. And they were trying to do all this other stuff with the vaccine and everything. She refused the vaccine. And finally, they gave her husband ivermectin after a judge ordered it. So just to keep you guys abreast of what's going on with this ivermectin thing, it is um, finally we're starting to get some justices to say, yeah, you need to stop and do what the patient's caregiver wants done for them. And she is well within her rights to require that hospital to give her her husband whatever the hell she tells him to do. If he cannot speak for himself at that point, she's still the guardian for him. It's not the hospital's requirement. It's her requirement. Well, and that's why they are blocking caregivers from coming into the hospital at all. So many people are going into hospital and they just they don't have access to a patient advocate, whether it's someone in their own family or someone from the hospital. There's they get tested for COVID with a crappy test that we know doesn't work because the CDC has come out and said that it doesn't work. And they might have bacterial pneumonia or a bowel obstruction, but they test positive for COVID and they're stuck in isolation and they're put on a ventilator and the next thing you know, they die. And that's what happened to Robert David Steele. Robert so, David Steele died this week and turns out he was on ivermectin, but he his his oxygen was too low. He went into the hospital. He brought his ivermectin with him. They refused to give it to him. They put him on a ventilator and he died. So um, with this though, like in this article, one of the things I really loved about this one article, and it's got a, a, a little story in the beginning. I'm going to read it really quick. I'm not going to arm wrestle with the administration about where to put you. Dr. C, a highly skilled gastroenterologist said, gently to a friend of his who was in a bed in the triage room in the ER. We just wanted to get you in the be in a bed and we so we can figure out what's wrong with you and you can get treated. We were at a small town hospital, no one was sure why, but my best friend had been able to keep any keep anything down for more than a handful other than a handful of raspberries down since the complicated surgery for his chronic health condition three weeks before. Dehydrated and unable to eat, my friend had been violently vomiting, taking just a sip of water or sucking on an ice chip, and he had lost nearly twenty five pounds. It was by my husband's side when he had a gallbladder gall attack so severe that it, it left his hands shaking. I had three unmedicated childbirths and attended many more, both as a journalist and as, and as a patient advocate. Still, I've never seen a human in so much pain. He was diagnosed with pancre pancreas disorder, but he was admitted to the hospital as a COVID patient. Let me, let me put this back to you diagnosed with a pancreas disorder and admitted to the hospital as a COVID patient. You've had pancreatitis. Yes. It's horrible. Um, after the battery testing, my friend was diagnosed with pancreatitis, but it was it, but it was easier for the hospital bureaucracy to register his admission with a COVID case. So I, nor his caregiver could see him. So that's, this just backs it up. Uh, the mainstream media is reporting severe COVID cases mainly among the unvaccinated people, which is not true. The Associated Press headline from June 29th reads, nearly all COVID deaths in the U.S. now are among the unvaccinated. Another from the same date, vast majority of ICU patients with COVID-19 are unvaccinated. Um, 
it, what's really going on, it's certainly not the case in Israel. The first country to fully vaccinate a majority of its citizens, again, has a majority of the vaccinated going back to the hospital for COVID. 77% of 83 to 83%, depending on age, had already been vaccinated according to the data collected by the Israeli government. Carefully reviewing the available data, including the safety and efficacy profiles of the mRNA vaccines, my friend had taken a cautious approach through his medical doctor gives him the vaccines offer in his office every day. My friend opted to wait and see. According to WebMD, a huge number of frontline hospital workers have also chosen not to get the vaccine. Why not get the vaccine unless you know there's something really dangerous about the vaccine? So it's still going on, folks. People are trying. They're trying to get around this. They're trying to stop it. And this COVID stuff, like Vilan just said, you know, we've got people out there that are Robert David Steele admitted. Oxygen too low. Next thing you know, he ends up ventilated, which last time we were going to report on that, but we could not find anything that contributed to that story uh, about Robert David Steele dying. Um, we knew about it almost a week and a half ago, and we didn't report on it because we could not find anything to you know, to support that claim. We only had a claim that we saw on, um, I think it was on Telegram, you saw it, right? Or Twitter. Yeah. And uh, we just couldn't find anything. There was a little video about a guy uh, who, who said something about him dying. And Yeah, David Nuno we, said something about it, but then Mike Adams reported on it, and he's usually pretty... Uh, we, I looked all over. I couldn't find anything about it. Um, but anyway, this is still going on, COVID, folks, and it, it's getting worse um, because just the other day, staying with the ivermectin story, okay, Joe Rogan tested positive for COVID. Joe Rogan, uh, obviously, he's got the you know most famous podcast. Uh, it's a most successful podcast on Apple Podcast. Uh, Joe Rogan's been doing this job way longer than we have. He's probably got a better sound machine too, a sound system and everything, because mine sure. sucks. But um, he got COVID. Uh, he said that uh, he had put a tweet out or a, a TikTok. I don't know which was, but uh, he had gone over a list of things that he said in that TikTok of things that he had been taking, and um, he had to apologize for his. Uh, a couple of his shows that got canceled. And uh, he said he was immediately uh, through through the kitchen sink at it. Uh, all kind of meds from a mono, uh, monoclonic... Uh, Here, we'll play what mono, he said. Monoclonical antibodies, ivermectin, a Z-pack, prednisone, everything I've got, NAD drip and a vitamin drip. And I did that for three days in a row. And he said, I feel great. Here you go. Here's Joe Rogan. Hello, friends. So I got back from the road Saturday night feeling very weary. I had a headache and I just felt just run down. And just to be cautious, I separated from my family, slept in a different part of the house. And throughout the night, I got fevers and sweats and I knew what was going on. So I got up in the morning, got tested, and it turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it, all kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, uh, prednisone, everything. Uh, and I also got an NAD drip and a vitamin drip, and I did that three days in a row. And so here we are on Wednesday, and I feel great. I really only had one bad day. Sunday sucked, but Monday was better. Tuesday felt better than Monday, and today I feel good. 
I actually feel pretty fucking good. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is we have to move Friday, the Friday show in Nashville. Uh, it's going to move to Sunday, October 24th. Yeah. Okay. We don't care about that. So, but listen, okay. You heard him. He said ivermectin, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, he was never on their side and his vaccine status is still unknown, whether he's been vaccinated or not. Um, I don't believe he has been, uh, but it, that's his business. That's not my business. But I bring this up because what did the liberals turn around and do? It's horse medicine. Here, immediately here's what they, they went after him. Hey there, uh, because they saying. have to go. They have to go after him. They of cannot they not do. go after him. They have to make this look like it's horrible. And uh, everything's more fun. And according to what they they're going to say, well, you know. Um, it's not been proven. It's dangerous for humans. Um, that's not accurate. I got uh, some bad news for you because um, I have got here ivermectin, which uh, we heard a lot about down in Tampa. We've also heard a lot about from uh, Clay Clark. We've heard a lot about it from uh, Dr. Um, um, Tenpenny. Tenpenny. Uh, we've heard a lot from uh, Candace Taylor. We've heard a lot about from most doctors that I know actually have talked a lot about it. And um, Japan. This actually, Ivermectin was given the Nobel Peace Prize in 2015. What? The Nobel Peace? That's like doctors sit on that board for when it comes to drugs and, and not as a Not as a veterinary medicine. No, as no, a no, human medicine. As a human medicine. Um, and that's crazy because uh, this is what it read for uh, the Nobel Prize for Physiology and Medicine with half jointly for their discoveries concerning the no novel therapy against infections caused by roundworm parasites and the other half to the discoveries concerning the novel therapy against malaria diseases caused by pit parasites have plagued humankind for millennia and constitute a major global health problem. In particular, parasitic diseases affect the world's population uh, poorest populations and represent a huge barrier of improving human health and well-being. This year's Nobel electorates have developed therapies that have revolutionized the treatment of some of the most devastating parasitic diseases. William C. Campbell and Ashutish Chamora uh, discovered a new drug, ivermectin, and diverse uh, and D-R-E-R-I-V-A-T-I-V-E-S. Victimitis of which have radically lowered the in, in incidence of river blindness, lymphatic uh, flatularius, as well as showing uh, efficient, uh, efficacy against an expanding number of other parasitic diseases. Uh, the drug was significantly reduced mortality rates from patients suffering from malaria. These two discoveries provided humankind with a powerful means to combat these debilitating diseases and affect humans, hundreds of millions of humans annually. The consequences of the terms of the impaired human health reduced suffering are measurable or, or immeasurable. So again, this is a Nobel Peace Prize that this drug received. Yet now, according to the liberal media, it is. Horse medicine or cow medicine, large animal medicine. But you know, it's funny because everyone's, livestock, yeah, livestock. livestock. So everyone's like, well, you know, it's a, it's, it's a parasitic. It's an anti-parasitic. How does it work on COVID? And I think Dr. Tenpenny explained it best when she said, you know, the great thing about ivermectin or medicines is they don't read medical journals, right? 
different drugs work on different things. They use hydroxychloroquine on lupus, right? Um, it, it, drugs can be used for all different things because it's about how they affect the molecule and the cell, right? The cell at the molecular level. Mm-hmm. And so, and who knows, maybe there is some, some kind of parasitic element to COVID. It would not surprise me at this point. With it was everything developed that's been in, in a lab. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, so we were also talking about when you just brought up a little bit ago how they're saying that 99% of the people that are dying are unvaccinated and this, that, and the other. We figured out exactly how they're manipulating that data. And it's been staring us in the face the entire time. When are you considered vaccinated? Well, according to um, the news, it is when you have both shots. Two weeks after you've had both yep. shots. 14 days. So if you go into the hospital... 13 days after your second shot with COVID, you're still considered you are unvaccinated. unvaccinated. And now in Israel, now they're rolling out the boosters. And those of us that called us conspiracy theorists for saying that we were going to roll out booster shots, I said something at work about it uh, in like February or March. I was like, oh, wait for the boosters. And they're like, oh, they're not going to roll out boosters. Boosters? There's no boosters. Guess what? Now there's boosters. And we reported on it in the last news podcast we did that the boosters were going to be every eight months. That has been revised. Yep. First, it was six months. Then it was five months. Now it's quarterly. Yep. Every four months. Yep. You you need well, to I get. It, I no, I'm it sorry. It's every three, three months. months. Yeah. Yeah. It it's again. four times a year. Correct. It's quarterly. So every three months you need a COVID booster. And do you know why that is? Uh, to up your, according to what they're saying, is to maintain the level of your uh, antibodies in your body. Correct. That's absolutely correct. You know why? Because you no longer have any natural antibodies for anything. No natural immunity to anything. Anything. The vaccine has killed your unnatural immunity to everything that you ever had in your entire life. But wait, because remember how I, remember we did, it was probably about three, four months ago now. We did an episode. I think you called it, it was your, it was one of your episodes that you named. It was, uh, everything's connected. Everything is connected. Okay. So get this, ready? This is all going to make sense somehow. Trust me. It really does actually. Because as soon as all of this stuff with COVID came out, um, one of the things we noticed, especially within the government right now, is how they were linking everything to public health, right? So now with COVID, we've got people going after people for using ivermectin because they believe, well, that's not the narrative and we can't promote that. And that takes people away from using, getting vaccines. So somebody's not making a dollar and in big pharma. And then now we've got climate change being treated as a public health issue. Hold on before you, before you get to climate change, because I know where you're going with this. I got two more things on pure COVID here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But this is, hold on. Let me connect all this because this actually connects it. It stays within the COVID. I gotcha. Because remember, Remember, now everything is going to be connected to public health because remember what they found out about public health. What happened last year? What happened last year? What did they do to the country last year? They shut shut us down. What else did they do to the country last year? They saw how willing you all, because again, these people are not stupid. But they think you are. But they think you are because they watched you, the sheeple, run out and put masks on. They saw all these people wearing masks. I see it every day. I drive around this town all the time. I see people left, right, and center by themselves in their cars wearing masks. Right I back saw, to the fucking mask. I saw a lady sitting on the street corner the other day, drove right by her. She, by herself, not around another human wearing a mask. Why? You're outside in the summer in Savannah. The, the sun alone kills COVID. But, uh, well, you know. Anyway, 
it, w- the way this all fits together is now the Office of Climate Change and Health Equality. I'm sorry, the what? That is the new office that just started. The Office of Climate Change and, and Health, Health Equality? Because they're going to mix, intermingle. Oh, Are you fucking kidding that's me? That's only one of the new offices that Joe Biden's cr- created. Remember, folks, why don't I, I'm a conservative. Why don't I like liberals being in charge? Because the government goes from being this big to being this big. Real fast in a hurry. Yeah. All right. So all of a sudden you had a small funnel underneath the Republican president. When a when Biden took over, it went to a funnel like this. All right. Because now everybody wants a job and he's got to hook everybody up. You want to know why? Because, oh, well, he's the commander in chief and he got them. He, he's they the got him, they got him elected. So it gets better. So apparently this new office will report to... Uh, Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra. Health and Human Services. So somehow climate change is going to fall under the Secretary of Health and... uh, Well, because obviously climate change um, is a health crisis, you know. um, I'm kind of itching my nuts right now thinking it's my brain. But um, it goes on because not only do we have health care, I mean, that's all very important. I mean, somehow greenhouse gases have something to do with our health care. I'm not really sure how that is, but okay, I'll play. I'll buy. I'll play your game. There's also another new one. Hold, hold on. If greenhouse gases affect our healthcare, why aren't they more concerned about the high levels of carbon dioxide in children wearing masks? Well, I don't know. Just wh- saying. I don't know why the United States is considered the biggest polluter in the world when the top seven polluters on the list are either in China or Russia, and there's one. There's one that is not in there that's not a communist country. It's uh, Shanghai or Tokyo. Um, okay, so that's the non one non-communist country that's in that list of the top seven polluters in the world. How is it that the United States is the worst polluter across the world and that we have the most restrictions on us? Because we are the worst polluter because we pollute with freedom. We're, we're the worst polluter on the, the social scale, the anti- tyrannical, freedom-loving scale. That, that's where we're the worst polluters. You know, when they said they wanted to reduce carbon emissions by 50%, if you take out every truck, plane, train, everything, you've only reduced it by like 10%. You know how you reduced carbon by 50%? It's all connected. So then we go into, so we're going to go after our healthcare. That makes a lot of sense, right? But it gets better. Hold on. But wait, there's more. President Biden's Center for Disease Control and Prevention is gearing up to spend millions of taxpayer dollars fighting the serious public health threat posed by gun violence. <laughs> oh, okay, wait a minute. The CDC has nothing to do with gun violence. Um, that's not a disease. Um, it's not really a public health threat either. Okay, I, I, hopefully though, the Supreme Court will take this up like they took up the eviction moratorium because we went over that in the last podcast, but there wasn't a resolution at that point. At that point, Joe was just saying, oh, well, I know it's illegal and it's probably not going to pass, but we're going to do it anyway because by the time the Supreme Court gets around to it, we'll have gotten enough people, you know, their money that it'll be okay. But the Supreme Court said, uh, no, the CDC does not own private property. It does not control private Correct. property and uh, you got to pay or you can't stay. Yep. So they have released the eviction moratorium that the CDC put out and it's actually this week. There's probably going to be, you know, 
10 to 15 million homeless people on the streets because Correct. they didn't pay their rent or their mortgage while they were collecting $900 a week from the government over the last year and a half. Sorry, that's on you. So Rochelle Walensky, she said, the scope of the problem is just bigger than you're even hearing about. And when your heart wrenches every day, when you turn on the news, you're only hearing the tip of the iceberg. We haven't spent the time, energy, and frankly, the resources to understand the problem because it's so divided. I swear to the president that this country, I would protect your health. Okay. What does that have to do with guns? Um, really doesn't have anything to do with guns. Um, this is clearly one of the most moments, one of those issues that, that is harming America's health, Walensky said. The CDC is currently spending $2,224,428 to track the number of patients entering hospitals with non-life-threatening gunshot wounds. Wait a minute. You're doing what? If it's a non-threatening gunshot wound, why? that's not a disease. There's a cause and an action. There's causality to it. There's a cause, there's an action, and then there's a reaction. I, I have an idea. Maybe the CDC should use that money to refund the police and train them better. And get this one. The agency is also spending $8,085,935 on research projects to prevent gun violence and injuries, CNN said. Hmm. Yeah. That, so see how all this is kind of coming together? That, that's are a great using, idea. They should train every American on how to properly use a gun, and then that would reduce gun violence and injuries. But do you see how this is all coming together now? I do. They are using this all under because they saw us back last year. When they shut the government down, you shut your stores down. You walked outside, you put a mask on. You didn't leave your house without a mask for a year straight. They now see the way to get to us. We make it a public health emergency, such as COVID. They got such good feedback from COVID because they got to see you basically mask up and do what they said. Yes, sir. No, sir. Maybe, sir. And what their, their problem is now is there's a lot of people like us. There's a lot of people like everybody I know that watches us. There's a lot of people walking around saying, uh, no, 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 no. I'm not taking the vaccine. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I will not wear your mask. Matter of fact, I don't want my kids in your mask. This, this is our, this is going to be the fight folks. This is where they're going. This is what the liberals have identified. They identified their peak and they're going right after it. You know, this Afghanistan thing. This Afghanistan thing is horrible for Joe, but you don't see Nancy Pelosi out there talking about Afghanistan. You don't see Kamala Harris out, out there talking about Afghanistan. Well, but Nancy Pelosi did in a way when she refused to allow the names of the 13 heroes to be read aloud on the Congress floor. Correct. But you, you now see their new playbook, their new page in their playbook, I should say. It's not the new playbook. It's just a new page in the playbook. They've changed the fight. They're going to make everything a public health emergency to make you, A, scared, B, do what they want you to do, and C, look at where we're at. Look at what we've already seen. There's going to be more to come on this, folks. Trust me. We're going to get, I, I still think we're going to get shut down again. I just don't know when that's going to be. I still think it's coming. Well, uh, two, two things. This was, um, so two people that stood up over all of this were two of the top vaccine regulators in the FDA. They quit. Yep. They said, and of course the news is pushing it as they quit over the boosters because they didn't agree with, or because the, the government pushed out the boosters before they had approved it. That's the narrative that the news is running with. That's the best they could twist it to fit their, you know, their overall narrative. But in fact, 
they quit because they don't agree with boosters in children. They said they don't agree with shots in children at all. They are, no, you don't put this poison in children. And, the, boy, the boosters were just the tip of the iceberg. And that's absolutely correct. And what they, what they really, I mean, what, what they said was, look, we don't have enough research on it yet to know what MR, what their concern is, isn't what's in the booster. Their concern is what MRNA does in somebody that is, has not gone through puberty yet. That is their concern. They got tons of data on what the MRNA, MRNA does to someone who is post, uh, post-puberty, pre-puberty, pu- pre-pubescent people, they have no idea. They have absolutely no, because no one was ever given it. They don't even know how it'll affect the development of the body. That's what they're concerned. That's what their true concern is because you're still growing. Every part of you still grows. Even ap- after post-puberty, you still grow, but it's not as, it's not as vast. There's not as much going on in your body. There's a lot going on pre-puberty and uh, puberty is kind of like the leveling off of everything going on. So that's what their concern is. And when they post those concerns, they were, they argued, they fought. And when they found out that they weren't getting anywhere, they up and said, fine. You do what you do. I, I, this isn't falling on me. They actually have an ounce of backbone. They actually have a belief, and they're they're living up to their beliefs, and they're getting the, they got the f out. They're done. Well, maybe they understand that Nuremberg Two is coming, and they don't want to be a part of it on the wrong side. Well, that's a possibility too, so. because we're again getting to the point where I need some more new conspiracies. Because all of our conspiracies are getting proven true. That's true. Because the WHO issued guidance on digital COVID certificates called. Cons- Everybody called it a conspiracy theory by the media, but now they're they're actually issuing the guidance so, that you're going to carry with you on your phone. You will have a digital certificate that you've been vaccinated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And well, the crazy thing is, is again, back to the approval, um, it, people have made a bunch of really good points. When you dig into that, that approval letter, they approved Comerity, not the current Pfizer-BioNTech, right? Um when they approve Comerity per the emergency use authorization, if there are any other approved treatments, then the EUA goes away. Correct. So how come- Ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine are approved for treatments against COVID, the EUA is done. But Comerity has now been approved. So why do we still have an active EUA on Moderna and Johnson & Johnson when it's not been approved? Can you give me a second to answer? Comerity has not been made yet. I know. So, so get this one. You ready for this one? I did a little research into that too, because I saw that too. So yep. everybody that saw that and posted stuff or sent stuff to VLAN about it, guess what? You, you and I are all tracking on the same sheet of music. And I know you all think I'm a crazy son of a gun, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm right there with you because I did a little bit more digging into it and asked a couple more people that are a lot smarter on this shit than me. So I asked the question, I said, Comerity, what is, what is Comerity? And of course, what hasn't been released? To the even doctors, list. correct. So there's no idea what Comerity is. Then I asked the question um, because I was like, well, this, this is all really interesting. But if let's say, like me, already been vaccinated. Um, I know I don't have the spike protein in my body, so I'm pretty sure I got the placebo, which is really weird. But my next question is then, if I've been vaccinated and I got a vaccine card, do I now have to go get revaccinated by Comerity? And guess what their initial guidance that came out with that was? Yes. Yes. And I was like sitting there going, <laughs> no, I, I hope, you know, I, I hope you guys got a lot of people that are willing to stand up to force people to go put a shot in their arm because I got a feeling America's done with this too. 
Well, and so the other thing about that is because Comerity has been approved now and it is no longer under the EUA, it should lose its liability protection. You should now be able to start to sue people. So Unless within the EUA it is written that they still have liability protection. But I'm talking or, about I mean, for I mean, com- under, Comerity. Under the, uh, no, no. The only way it has liability protection is if it's approved on the childhood vaccine oh, schedule. Oh, that's right. That's okay? right. That's right. The childhood okay. vaccine schedule, which is interesting because now they're developing a vaccine for RSV for children. And guess what? That's mRNA based as well. But um, this uh, this guy, uh, Montagraph, aka October Rains, called the commissioner of the FDA, Janet Woodcock. Yeah, I heard that. Right? Uh, at, at her house. This was amazing. Does everybody know what today is? Today is Bojangle Sunday. It sure is. Damn Bojangle Sunday. I'm going to contact the person in charge of the Food and Drug Administration at our house. Yes, hello. Is uh, Janet there? This is Janet. Yes, hello, Janet. My name is Steve Quest. I'm on the Monograph channel. I'm doing a live show, and there's a lot of people really concerned about the FDA approval that was given to the vaccine, and I'm just asking for a little bit of clarity. And the clarity I'm looking for, has the liability shield been lifted from the current vaccine that is readily available in the United States? Yes, well, I think it would be good for you to talk to the FDA press office. Um, but um, uh, it's a complicated matter, and um, you know it is it is available. So thank you very much. Goodbye. Isn't isn't that interesting? Isn't that just How is it complicated, ladies and gentlemen? It's either the liability shield has been lifted or it hasn't. How is that complicated? She was caught off guard. Yeah, it's not complicated at not all. Not at all. Nope, it sure isn't. And, you know, and it's so bad now that, you know, like uh, EU countries, uh, Sweden is the most recent, uh, is now banning Israeli travel. Uh, they're not lo- accepting anybody from Israel anymore to come into the country uh, due to their COVID-19 case rises. Um it was Portugal on Wednesday became the first EU country to ban travel from Israel due to COVID-19 or the rise in cases of COVID-19. Um, Sweden banned citizens from the United States, Kosovo, Lebanon, Montenegro, and North Macedonia. Um, so yeah, amazing, amazing stuff. And while that is all going on, we also have Biden to oppose the largest tax increase since 1968. So remember he said he wasn't going to increase our taxes. That's what he ran on. Bullshit. He said, uh, I'm not going to increase your taxes. So the $3.5 trillion tax hike is being pushed by President Biden and congressional Democrats. That would be the largest tax increase since 1968. In uh, nominal dollars, Biden's $3.5 trillion tax increase would be the largest in history. But even comparing the tax um, as a percentage of the economy, this tax hike would still be the largest in more than 50 years. While the Democrats claim the tax increase will fall mainly on the rich. The proposal will raise the taxes on small businesses, working families, and some of the tax increases proposed by Biden includes the raising of the federal federal corporate 
income tax rate to 28%. Yeah, that's less money out of your pocket. Retroactive tax increases on capital gains and dividends. So again, if you invested in something and you've already paid taxes on it, they're basically saying, we're going to raise those taxes on you too. So you're going to pay more taxes on it. Um, creating the second a second death tax by repealing the step up in basis, which uh, basically means, look, um, this will impose a capital gains tax uh, on unrealized gains of every asset owned by a taxpayer when they die. So for instance, if you own a home, okay, and let's say that home is sold, right? What Biden's now saying, even though you pay taxes on that home and when you passed away, um, that money would go back into your estate, right? Well, what he's saying is now that you've already paid taxes on your home, we're going to tax you again on the money that you sold that house for, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, it also increased the top income tax rate to 39.6%. And it also imposes a 15% minimum tax on, on book income, which is um, Americans' businesses disallow important bipartisan credits to help promote job creation and economic growth. Well, he's going to scrap all that. He's going to make sure that there is no economic growth and that everything that you put on the books, that's what you're going to get taxed on. And then he's also going to impose uh, global tax hikes that will make American businesses essentially become completely uncompetitive across the board. That's a story that came out of uh, America's Americans for Tax Reform. It was an article in the ATR.org uh, post. And then finally, uh, before we get out of here, um, we've got two other ones, uh, but another big one that just did a gigantic flip-flop is, <laughs> uh, is funny. General Flynn. Um, Chase Bank does an about-face and apologizes to General Flynn for a credit card cancellation letter. It says it made that was made in error. So Chase Bank on Tuesday told the Blaze that he that they apologized to credit card cancellation letter that retired uh, General Michael Flynn, uh, former National Security Advisor uh, and former aide to Do Donald Trump, posted in Telegram social media page. Chase's August 20th letter read in part, uh, we decided to close your credit cards on September 18th, 2021, because continue continuing in relationships that creates possible rep uh, reputational risk to our company. Yeah, well, now they have a serious reputational risk to their company because so many people closed their Chase card accounts when they put that out that they were like, oh, shit, we're sorry. We didn't mean it. You hit them in their pocketbooks. That's where it hurts. So so we got uh, some Georgia FOIA requests uh, that are coming. Yep. Uh, so, and this was weird. Raffisberger actually put out a FOIA request on the DOJ for their communications with people like Stacey Abrams. That's, that really surprised me out of Raffensperger because I thought he was a commie trader all the way. So maybe the pressure's finally gotten to him. Um, so we're going to, we're going to play some, some of your tactical patience on that one and see what comes of that. But, um, well, Candace said it's, it's, she's, it's not just that. It's not just that. Remember with Raffensperger, what is he realizing? He's now seeing the right on writing on the wall. Oh, he's not getting Georgia is is going another direction. Yeah, absolutely. And he is not on board with that train. Yeah, no, he's definitely and, not. Uh, he's getting he thrown knows, off that train. Quite he knows literally. that more than likely, whoever the next governor is, is going to bring him up on charges. And right now he is doing everything in his power to cover his ass yep. on communications with uh Stacey Abrams with the uh, department of uh, uh, the democratic national committee here in yep. Georgia, he is doing everything in his power. He's trying to find out, think about it. You would go, I would go out and find out what information people may have on me. If I would, if I thought I did something wrong and all of a sudden everything's about to hit the wall again, this is another one. Yeah. You're right on tactical patience on this one, but um, more and more, you know, here we go. Uh, it's, it, it 
we're we're about to get to a really lively season. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of shit that we're just going to be, uh, whether we're laughing about it or we're crying about it, it's going to be it's going to be eventful. There's going to be a lot of stuff happening. This news cycle is about to go to like twelve hours, eight hours. An eight hour news cycle is what I'm I'm betting we're going to see because there's going to be stuff coming out left, right, and center here soon. Well, I've I've got three things to wrap that all up actually. So something we had uh, tactical patience on a while back, if y'all remember the the whole Matt Gates thing where they were accusing him of child sex trafficking and having, you know, untoward relations with a teenager. She flew on his plane. She was an intern and she flew on his plane across straight lines. This this was the state um, representative from Florida who was a Republican. And uh, just in case you don't remember the story, but it was a big deal. It made the rounds in the news. um, And uh, for, for a cycle. Yeah. And, and then uh, a retired federal agent, approached Matt Gates's family and was basically like, Hey, pay me a bunch of money and I'll make this go away. And Matt Gates was like, um, no, I didn't do anything. You're extorting me. And everyone, you know, that's when all the drama happened. Everyone's like, Matt Gates is just trying to cover his ass and this, that, and the other. Well, turns out he was right. So there was a surprise indictment that dropped, um, against this guy who sure as shit, it says, uh, so remember when Matt Gates alleged someone tried to shake down his dad for $25 million, promising lenient federal treatment in the sex crimes investigation of the rep? A man named Stephen Alford just got indicted for it. He has been indicted on uh, a charge that he tried to extort $25 million from Matt Gates's father. So who is Stephen Alford? So Stephen Alford, 62, Fort Walton Beach. I think he's a retired... I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think he's a retired FBI agent. Um, I just find it interesting because I, you know, it's funny that uh, you haven't heard anything about that on the news unless you've been looking at other things. I mean, I, this comes from Red State News. You would not hear it elsewhere because it just destroys their narrative. Because they, Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene are really the only two Congress people right now that are worth a shit. So um, I I got to say and. Candace Taylor backed me up on Marjorie Taylor Greene. If you guys haven't listened to our interview with her, it was quite phenomenal, even though our audio sucks. So I recommend that you go back and listen to that. Even if you don't live in Georgia, it's it's amazing. She's amazing. Um, and she gave some personal stories about Marjorie Taylor Greene that I know a lot of people are on the fence about. Like we said, we're a house divided. Mick thought she was crazy. I loved her, but I'm a little crazy, so I kind of love crazy. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, Candace Apparently, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Candace are are very good friends, and she said she's an amazing person, but she's a fighter, and that's what we need. And Matt Gates is a fighter, too, and that's what we need right now. So uh, what else I said I was going to wrap it up with because you said, you know, whether we laugh or cry. Well, I got something to cry about real quick and then something to laugh about. Oh, my Lord. I know. I'm not ending on a totally bad note. This is actually good. So another Pfizer whistleblower has come forward claiming that now, you remember that they dropped that 45,000 people died? Mm-hmm. Now it's 200,000. So listen to Dr. Uh, Cherry Tenpenny Hello. talking about it. And I'm actually been talking to a, a whistleblower right now that's yet to be named, who's an insider at Pfizer, who called and was crying and said, that 45,000 number, I have documentation that, and I haven't seen it yet, so at this point in time, it's still hearsay, that, that I've got documentation that that number's closer to 200,000 people that have died within a week or less of getting one of the shots. And I've actually been talking 200, to- 200,000 people, which honestly is not, I mean, that's about what we expected. 
and I, I think there's more coming. Um, this, this though, this was titled Bart Simpson lives. Okay. This was a school board meeting and this is so funny. You guys were Wayne Kerr. Hold on. We go back to the beginning. So they're calling out people to, uh, to speak, you know, people put their name on the list to speak at the school board meeting. This yeah. is August 26th. You guys work for us in, in, in this uh, environment, you answer to us, and I'm asking that you do not pass this policy in Virginia. Thank you so much, Ms. Thomas. We do appreciate you. <laughs> Phil McCracken. <laughs> Phil McCracken. Phil McCracken. Is there a Phil McCracken here? <laughs> it gets better. Stand by. Soak. Soak. My headache. Suck my dick. <laughs> Ophelia McHawk. <laughs> Ophelia McHawk. I feel my cock. I leaned over. I leaned over. <laughs> Followed up by his brother. I leaned over. I leaned over. Bent over. And he just keeps going. Don Kiddick. Don Kiddick. Like he has no idea Don he's Kiddick. being completely trolled. He completely is too. That's that's classic. Wayne Kerr. <laughs> Wayne Kerr. Wayne Kerr. Wayne Kerr. <laughs> you guys, dude, you've been trolled. <laughs> so keep trolling. You know what? Go go up. Waste these these politicians times because all they do is waste our time. I, yeah. Especially the school boards, especially the school. Boards. Seriously. And you, I mean, go, go run for school board, go do, do something, get up, stand up, speak up, do something. I hear that. Um, I think September 7th, but Tuesday is like national, like call out sick day, really? like national walkout day. Yeah. Like everyone across the country that's opposing, all of this tyranny, we're all, we're all calling out sick on Tuesday the 7th. So it's like national sick out day. Interesting. They call it what, the blue flu and the cops, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, I, this one's going to be like the red flu. So interesting. Isn't that fun? Yep. But uh, yeah, that's all I got. We have to get on the road because we have a 10 hour drive ahead of us so that we can go to my very best friend in the whole world's wedding. It's about damn time you got married. Congratulations. And, um, I'm right now looking up this Steven Alford, uh, thing, um, because I actually want to know something about this guy, uh, cause I just find that odd. And I just found the actual indictment. Okay. Um, and it says it doesn't refer to him. So he's not a, normally if you're, uh, if you're formally, um, whether you're retired or whatever, FBI agent, federal agent of any sort. Um, and this is, was a sealed document, um, and this actually went through, which is really funny. This was filed uh, August eighteenth uh, of twenty twenty one. Yeah, the indictment just got unsealed. So, um, which I, and it's a certified true copy. I'm looking at it right here, but I'm reading it right now. And normally, when you're a former federal agent of any sort, um, it refers to you as retired 
or something of that nature. So I, I don't know if this guy was. I think this guy was playing a game, and I, I think he just got. And caught. that's just what he told Matt yeah. Gates's dad when yeah, he tried to, to extort him. Just tried to extort that's, him and said, "Look, I can make this disappear." And yeah. I think he was just lying his ass off because normally they refer to you not just as your name, as whatever retired agent you are, if you're a retired agent. Um, Except that right now they're really trying to protect the FBI because they know it's gone to shit. So possibly, yes. Uh, coming up, what do we have coming up? Because uh, we don't have any interviews that I know of. We're still working on well, a couple. We're trying to get some people on. Um, I, I have, um, yeah, I've reached out to Pastor Greg Locke and I've uh, left a message with his people. So that'll be another one that I can't swear on. So, well, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Hey, I might slip. I've done it before in front I, of a I bishop. Know, so I know, I know you that. have. It's okay. Um, yeah, no, we, we got the news. We've got a lot of it. So uh, we've got some more. Uh, also, we're going to be doing. Um, Hopefully we'll have some more. We've had a bunch of uh, uh, requests. We, we've got a new, every time that we do opening now too, since we did the um, uh, Flat Earth, Dave Weiss, we got a new opening for our, our conspiracy side podcasts from now on. So just pay attention because it's a lot of fun. That's new true. stuff. We got new stuff coming all the time, as you can see. Uh, new, if, if you're watching on Rumble, new flags new in the flags, background. New posters, and new everything. We're going to be doing a new segment here soon. In fact, oh, we do have someone coming on soon. We have QAnon Jack coming on soon. Yep. Um, because he has his own podcast. So we are going to start doing a regular uh, Jack's Rants because we've played him on Telegram before. Um, Gotten we, a lot of positive feedback you know on that. We, and we, we should end this one out with a, with a Jack rant, actually. Uh, but we're going to bring him on. Um, and We really... Honestly, don't have the time. We don't have the time. Yeah, All right. We well, go. then we'll start the next one with Jack's rant. So, yeah. Jack, no, we love you. We, we got a new we'll segment coming. Uh, we got to promote it a little bit. Get your name out there. Um, and uh, he'll be another podcast you want to go check out. But uh, we just have gotten a lot, a lot of positive feedback back on his rants that he's had in the past. And it's been quite comical. There's been a bunch of them that we've all gotten a good laugh out of. So we're definitely going to keep that up. And uh, I've got a lot of people that reached out to me and told me, Hey, you got to get that guy on there as a normal part of your show. So we're going to have him start doing some rants for us. And then we're just going to post them and we'll talk about them and we'll, uh, we'll either agree, disagree, whatever. It doesn't matter, but it'll be, uh, it will be funny. I can tell you that much because the guy's not really all that boring. He's, he's hysterical. I talk to him regularly outside of, you know, just communicating through comments. So, um, so uh, like, like share, subscribe, yep. share us with your friends where, uh, we're, we're starting to get a little bit bigger here, getting some better guests on, getting some, uh, making some more impact. So, yep. you know, it's, it's not about us. It's about the message. It's about, it's about standing up and speaking out and, you know, standing on your feet and talking about what you believe in. You don't have to do everything. Find the thing that you're passionate about. And when I go on like Twitter space calls or telegram calls or discord calls, the thing I always ask people, they're like, I don't know what to do. I say, well, what's your passion, right? Here amongst us, mixed passion obviously is, is politics and, and especially as it relates to the military, because that's what he knows the best. And my passion is COVID and the vaccine. Um, cause that's just what got my blood pumping. That's my hill to die on. Find your hill, find your hill to stand on. Find out what you're passionate about and speak out against it. Speak out about it. You don't have to speak out about everything. Speak out about the thing that moves you the most because that thing is going to be different for everyone. The voices don't all have to be the same. We don't want to live in an echo chamber, but we do need more voices. So please find that thing that you're passionate about, that you disagree with the most, that you want to fight for or against the most and stand up and speak out. And think about it this way too, folks. Um, you know, we've obviously inspired somebody or people to listen to us. Um, we're not going to touch everybody. 
we we piss off just as many people as we talk to. So, and I know that, and that's fine. I I don't care, but I've always said that I don't care. But yeah, apparently I pissed a lot of people off last week, and I don't care either. So if sorry, not sorry. You go and if you push out the, you know, if you say something, you might say it differently than I do. You might make that next person who needs to stand up stand up. They just maybe haven't heard it the right way yet. And now all of a sudden they heard you say something way differently than I've ever said it. I'm pretty sure that they will stand up. So either way, um, again, we'll be back in a couple days for the Mick. And Lynn. Y'all have a good night or a good afternoon, good day, whatever it be. And uh, whenever you listen to us, and uh, I'm, I'm, I don't think we're going to take it. Not going to take it. So thanks for watching. Enjoy, folks. Good night. <laughs>